0: All about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. All about the Savior and the promise of His word. It's all about Jesus. Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday. 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's lesson.
1: It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. All right, listen, uh, today we're going to start that controversial text I've been warning you about. And uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 through 6. And I don't know if you noticed, but uh, I, I think I picked a very appropriate title. If we could put it up there, it's actually the security of the believer. Because let me tell you something right up front uh, there is much security for the believer in Christ. And, uh, but there's some challenges here in this text. Now, we're gonna just introduce the text. Next week we'll probably have more time because there's, I wanna lay a foundation this week, and next week we're gonna go into some of the breakdowns of the phrases and the words in verses four through six of what exactly it means. But the controversy over this text that seems to be so great seems to be because the the text seems to threaten the doctrine of the security of the believer. Let me tell you up front, it does not. It doesn't threaten the security of the believer. What it does threaten is the security of the apostate. Huh? If you're an apostate, If you're an ex-believer, a former Christian, and you go, well, I used to, I said the prayer once, so you're not, you're just going your own way. Uh, Your security is threatened by Hebrews 6, okay? An apostate, by the way, is someone who all past evidence points to them being a real and genuine Christian, but now they're rejecting Christ, and and they're denying the faith. Do any of you know somebody who claimed to be a Christian once, but now they're anti-christian anybody i know people like that and so this is for them unfortunately and but not everybody here's that here's another problem people do they take different things they see in people's lives and they lump it all into hebrews 6 hebrews 6 is dealing with a specific situation not everybody who backslides fits into hebrews 6 Not everybody claimed to be a Christian, but is never really a Christian. We'll we'll talk about all the different various uh, interpretations of the text, but be careful in putting everything into one lump and saying that's what it is. So Father, we pray that you'd give us wisdom today as we look at your word. Lord, help me to speak the truth in love, to teach your word accurately in such a way, Lord God, that we'd all come to a better understanding of what your word says, that we would take the blessed promises seriously and stand in faith and confidence, but we'd also take the warning seriously and and not throw away any of your word. It's all true. It's all to be heard. Help us to hear your word and respond appropriately. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I want to start out with um, a fill-in. You guys, some of you guys, you bring your pens for this, okay? Uh, but by the way, if you're visiting, the fill-ins are for the small groups, and if you're not in a small group, please get into a small group. It's an opportunity to interact, and, and not everyone has the same opinion, but it's good to hammer through the scriptures together. But here's your first fill-in in the insert. I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. There's three things today's text will teach us. Number one, there's hope. Uh, excuse me, there's no hope. (laughs) There's no hope for the apostate because there's no hope for someone who rejects Christ. Let me say that again since I messed it up the first time. There's no hope for the apostate because there's no hope for someone who rejects Christ. Number two, there's much hope for the believer in Christ. Okay, I want you to know, know that because the enemy has used this text to scare believers. When they read Hebrews six, they go, "Oh no! What if that's me?" If you're a believer and you're trusting in Christ, it's not you. Okay. Uh, so number two, there's much hope for the believer in Christ. Number three, there is security in Christ alone. There is security in Christ alone, and so the security is found in Jesus, uh, and and. And if you're a Christian, there's much security. If you're an ex-Christian, I can't give you a whole lot of hope, okay? If you're trusting in Christ for salvation today, all I can give you is hope. On the other hand, if you tell me you're a former believer or you're an ex-Christian, the scriptures have no assurance for you, okay? And I know people like that, okay? And now, usually when I say that, I say, don't point. But I don't think there's anybody in this room who's a former believer. We're here for a reason, because we believe, okay? So, let's look at today's text, and you'll understand if you've never, if you're not familiar with it, why some of the controversy. Hebrews chapter 6, starting with verse 4 for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the holy spirit and have tasted the good word of god and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the son of god and put him to open shame again i'll remind you this is not for the christian this is for The ex Christian, or somebody who's what what the scriptures would call, or what uh, theologians would call, an apostate. Uh, This is, and this is one of the devil's favorite scriptures, I'll tell you, of all the years I've been a pastor. One of the biggest questions you get is, can I lose my salvation? Did I commit the unforgivable sin? And I tell you what, if you've ever gone on the edge and backslid or did something you shouldn't have done, the devil will show you this verse. If the devil ever wants to teach the Bible, this is the chapter he's going to teach. Okay? This is the devil's favorite chapter. So we're going to go slow. Because I want you who are walking in Christ who know the Lord, even if you've backslid or you're struggling right now with sin, I want you to know this isn't talking about you like the devil is whispering in your ear. It's talking about the apostate. Somebody who does not believe who once claimed to believe. And there's a simple rule to remember that I want to share with you that that the Lord helped me when I I went through this years ago. Well, I'd say I was I was a Christian for a number of years and then I Fell into sin, and the devil goes. You did it. You committed the unforgivable.
0: The unforgivable
1: sin. 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 And I thought, I thought Hebrew six—that was me. And I, oh, I, I spiraled out of control, and I was so depressed. And I even, I even got to talk to Chuck Smith a couple times about it. I talked to, I went to everybody. I was, I went through it. It was, it was scary. And I, I had wrestled. The, and one of the reasons why I want to go slow is because I understand the severity of this text. I understand what it says, what it doesn't say, because I've had to study it a lot, and also I know how it wreaks havoc among Christians. But. Let me save you a lot of trouble. All Scripture is true. I believe it, whether it's a warning, whether it's a promise. Let me give you a promise. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is a promise and that is true. So how do you know if you've committed the unforgivable sin? If you could confess your sin to God... There's hope for you. Amen. Because if you can confess your sin, if you will confess your sin, he will forgive you. That's a promise. You know what? It's funny how simple the answer was. As a matter of fact, we could just all go home now. No, actually, there's a lot to sort through in this, and I'm going to make this text a two-parter. Maybe three. We'll see how it goes. But I'll tell you something. The Lord showed me years ago, as I, after I've wrestled through it, Mike, do you believe First John 1, 9? Well then, have you confessed your sin? Yes. Then I forgive your sin. It's so good to know that God is gracious and forgiving. And here's one of the keys I want to teach you as we go through the warnings and the scary verses in Hebrews is it's all true, but make sure you got all the facts. And make sure you understand, this is true, this promise, and this is true, this warning, and I'm not going to throw away the warning because I believe the promise, I'm not going to throw away the promise because I believe the warning, they're both true, but how can they both be true and not contradict? And that's our challenge as Christians, to not override one, because we know that can't mean that, because we know this means this, it's all true. And so our big challenge is, how do we understand scriptures to the degree that the warnings and the promises are all true? Anyway, 1 John 1.9, save you a lot of trouble in case you fall asleep after this, okay? Now, the person described in Hebrews 6 uh, would have an, what, what Hebrews 3 says, and we'll look at that in a moment, an evil heart of unbelief. That's uh, Hebrews 6. It's talking about a person who has an evil heart of unbelief and does not want to confess their sin, does not want to repent, and I can tell you right up front, if you don't want to repent, I can't give you any assurance. If you go, well, I don't know, i got to change, that's the way I am, and you don't want to repent... I got no good promises of blessings for you, okay? So the, the, the person who's being described in Hebrews 6 has an evil heart of unbelief. Matter of fact, what are, where am I getting that phrase from? Let's go back up to Hebrews chapter 3, which we looked at this months ago. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, where the writer of Hebrews says to the church, and he's saying to Christians, Beware, brethren. Beware, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now, I have to say something here. He is warning Christians. He is warning Christians, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you. I know in Hebrews 6, I heard a teacher I really like uh, this week. I was listening to him, and he went through all the, the they and them in Hebrews 6, 4 through Underline them. It's they and them. It's not you. <clears throat> well, read Hebrews 3:12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. So there's a warning there given from the author of Hebrews that we're not to depart. We're not to turn away. We're not to allow an evil heart of unbelief to take. Now, how could that even happen? Well, if you read on, which I didn't put it in the PowerPoint, by the way. If you read on in, in chapter 3, verse 13, it says, because uh, we could be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So let me just tip. Now, we already went through this one in Hebrews 3, but I think it's worth repeating. If you as a Christian just continue in sin without repentance, there's consequences. No, you don't just go go to hell, go straight to hell, don't collect your $200. It's not one of those things. It's not like, well, you continued in sin, you've lost your salvation. That's not what I'm saying. The consequences for a Christian continuing in sin is a hardened heart. You're being convicted, you keep sinning, your heart you have you can't do that without hardening your heart to god you can't continue long-term in sin without hardening your heart to god so what happens is There's an evil heart of unbelief. Ooh, there's a progress here. Matter of fact, you should go back and read it later because I could spend all my time in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. That's warning that there's a deceitfulness about sin that messes with us. It always lies to us. It always takes us further than we want to go. Makes me pay more than we want to pay. and makes us stay longer than we want to stay. That's what sin does always. It deceives you and it hardens your heart. And what happens is, the your heart gets harder and harder, and pretty soon, the ultimate problem of, of hardness of heart, a heart of unbelief. So back to Hebrews 3.12, Beware, brother, unless there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So let me tell you another key to look for as we go through this text. The, the real bottom line danger, warning, is unbelief, not sin. Sin, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. Sin, we could recover from that. I'm not saying just go ahead and sin because we could recover for it. I'm just saying sin, there's a solution for. Unbelief, there is no solution for. Sin, we confess our sin, we could be forgiven. Unbelief, we won't confess our sin. And so we won't be forgiven. So that's the ultimate danger of continuing long-term hardness of heart, unbelief, hardened apostate. That's a picture of how one becomes an apostate. Okay, there's a lot of, by the way, there's a lot of, I could show you one method and then you find somebody else who started listening to an atheist and they're listening to atheist podcast and put doubts in their heart and before you know it, they're listening to this and listening to that. Pretty soon they don't believe anymore. They're, everyone's got a different different journey, Okay. I might make this message a two-parter. We'll see how it goes. Because I've got so much to say here because I've spent so many years of my life both struggling through it when I thought I had committed the unforgivable sin and then helping other Christians know that they're right with God or make sure that they're right with God because they believe they've committed the unforgivable sin and they haven't. So we'll take whatever time is needed. So the three ingredients in this text we just looked at is an evil heart, that describes a heart that's against God. Unbelief, that's a person who's not believing in Christ and will not confess and will not repent. And so there's no hope for someone who will not and will not confess or repent. And number three, it's a departing. And that's a total rejection of departing from the gospel. Now, the author of Hebrews will describe this condition in detail in chapter 10. So, like I said, uh, today is an introduction of to Hebrews chapter 6 verse 4 through 6. So I'm, I'm giving you preparatory uh, scriptures. And let me jump ahead to chapter 10 to show you an ultimate verse that really goes into detail. Um, and this is written to, um, again, the whole book is written to Jewish Christians who are under temptation of persecution, and they're tempted just to go back to the Old Testament, go back to the old sacrificial system, and instead of trusting in Christ and his work on the cross, they're going to go back to the temple and just do animal sacrifices because they're getting too much feedback and and too much criticism from their family and friends, and they're just going to go back to doing the, the Jew thing again. And so the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, verse 26, if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation, uh, expectation of judgment and the fire indignation which will devour the adversaries. Let me stop there. I don't know how, far, how much fits on one screen at a time here. But this is another greatly misunderstood verse. Because people go, oh, I sinned willfully. Have you ever sinned willfully? Who, who has ever sinned willfully? Come on. If you have, if you're not raising your hand, then you've committed the sin of lying at least, okay? So here's the thing. We've all sinned willfully so we could go, oh no, if you continue and sin willfully, or oh, that would, that, this verse got me back when I was a, a young Christian too. Oh no, I fell into sin and I kept doing that sin and I continued and sinned willfully. There no longer remains a sacrifice for my sin. I could memorize, I had these all memorized. But in the context, what it's saying is to the Jewish Christian who wants to go back to the sacrificial system, that's the sin he's talking about. Your sin is abandoning the wonderful work of Christ on the cross and going back to the Jewish system and going back to trusting in animal sacrifice and going to the temple and sacrificing your animals. And that is just wrong. You're forsaking the sacrifice of Christ and trading it back into where you once were just to make sure any of you guys ever misunderstood that verse, it, that's the sin it's talking about. Okay? It's not talking about how many of you guys have ever sinned and continued in that sin for a while? Yeah. And those who didn't raise their hand, you're continuing to lie. Okay? <clears throat> so here's the thing. Be careful as you study the Scriptures that you understand what it's saying and what it's not saying. Let me start over with that verse now. With that in mind, it's talking about the sin of going back to the sacrificial system. <clears throat> if we sin willfully, not just any sin, after we have received the knowledge of the truth about Jesus Christ rather than animal sacrifices, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, meaning all the sacrificing of the animals you're doing right now, it's useless, it's worthless. That's the context of this. You see it? Okay? but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and a fire indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who's rejected uh, Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses and you really like Moses' law, don't you? How much worse punishment do you suppose one will be brought worthy or thought worthy who has done three things? I numbered them for you up there. Number one, trampled the Son of God underfoot that means jesus died for your sins and you're going to go back to animal sacrifice you're going to walk all over jesus and his sacrifice for you number one number two counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing Boy, there's two things that jump out at me on this part it's saying number one is jesus blood was shed for you and now you're figuring you've got to shed animal blood instead of Jesus' blood. You're considering the, the precious blood of Jesus as a common thing. It's just the blood of any man. Common thing. It's just not a holy precious sacrifice. It's a common thing. But the second thing that stands out to me in that verse is it's, you counted the blood of the covenant by which you were sanctified. A common thing. That means Jesus' blood can sanctify you and you can get to the place from a heart and heart that you no longer consider it special. It's a common thing. What a danger. Huh? Be open. Some of you guys right now, your walls are going up. Because some of you guys are going, oh no, that can't happen. Okay, then the Bible is talking about something that can't happen. Okay, let me keep reading. The third step. Number one is you trampled the Son of God underfoot. Number two is you count the blood of Jesus uh, as just like the blood of any other man. Number three, you've insulted the Spirit of grace. Now, you know what this, to me, is a picture of? What the Bible calls the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You've committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You've insulted the Spirit of grace by trampling underfoot the Son of God, considering the blood that he shed for you is just like the blood of any other man. You reject the gospel, and you're insulting the Holy Spirit who is telling you, Jesus is the way Maybe we'll make this a four-part series. Because I tell you, there's so much to see here, and I'm exhorting you to be open to what the Bible says, because there's been a lot of theological training put into our head that this doesn't mean that, and this can't mean this, and this doesn't mean... The Bible says what it means, it means what it says, and I want to find that promises, warnings, threats blessings. It's all true, and I'm not going to throw any of it away. I want to see how it all fits together properly. So, there no longer means a sacrifice for somebody who has done those three things. Who's trampled underfoot, Jesus Christ. Who's considered the blood of Jesus as nothing or just like any other man. And you insult the spirit of grace. There's no, there's no sacrifice for you anymore. So, if that's where you're at then that's describing you but you know what most Christians who are afraid of committing the unforgivable sin or think Hebrews 6 is talking about them they're nowhere near this most Christians who are worried about did I commit the unforgivable sin you you love Jesus you want Jesus to forgive you you want to make sure that you're not you haven't gone too far that's you know what if you're worried about it that's a great sign that you're not there's nothing to worry about huh If you're worried about it, that's a good sign that you care about the things of God and you care about being right with God. So I used to hear this all the time and it didn't help me when I was worried about it. But the fact of the matter is, being worried about this, Hebrews 6, is evidence that you care and you're you're a child of God. Because let me tell you something, if you're not worried about it, then maybe it is about you, you know? someone comes to mind right now, there's several people I know who used to be in ministry and used to preach the gospel and teach the Bible. They were leadership. And now they're actively atheists trying to get people to reject Christ and become an atheist like them. And if I showed them this verse, they'd go, that's not true. They're not worried about it. They should be worried about it. The ones who are worried about it shouldn't be worried about it. All right, I'm spending way too much time on that one. Okay, listen. Many commentaries begin a study, and I've read a lot of commentaries and listened to a lot of my favorite Bible teachers the last couple of weeks getting ready for this study, and many commentaries actually begin Hebrews 6 by saying, this is a very difficult text to interpret. Can I tell you it's not? It's not a difficult text to interpret. It's only a difficult text to interpret if it goes against your theology. Well, my theology says this. So that, that's really tough because that's not the way I believe. Here's what's difficult for you in the Bible. When the Bible says something that you don't believe, you go, well, that's difficult. No, maybe you need to change your belief. Okay, maybe you need to let the Bible adjust your theology rather than to always try to get the Bible to fit into your theology. So the fact is, it's not a difficult text. It's only difficult to those whose theology is threatened by it or destroyed by it. And a proper understanding of the warnings and promises of God will, ba- you know, you have find the balance, then you won't have any difficulty. I, don't, I no longer believe that Hebrews 6 is a difficult passage. It's very simple. It's true. We've got to understand it's a warning, letting you know the hopelessness of the apostate, not the hopelessness of the believer. It's not threatening the believer. Now, just to be fair, let me give you, there's five different ways theologians interpret Hebrews 6. And you're going to find these if you look in your notes, your study notes of your study Bible, or if you go online, and everyone's got their favorite way to interpret it, depending on how it's sometimes, depending on how they want to interpret it because it can't mean what it sounds like it's saying. So we got to find another reason, another meaning for it, right? So let me just give you some examples. Um, some claim that these warnings are hypothetical. They're, it's suggesting that all the harsh warnings here is just to shock the hearers uh, in, in, out of spiritual lethargy. So there's no, there's no real threat here. It's just to shock you so that you keep walking with the Lord. Like be careful, don't fall off the cliff. But there's such a wall of invisible plexiglass around that cliff that nobody could ever fall off the wall. And so uh, I'm just saying that just to keep you driving right. I think that's the stupidest explanation. (laughs) Why in the world, or where else would God give a hypothetical situation that be careful because if you do this, that will happen, but he didn't really mean it. He's just saying it just to scare you. (sighs) Now, okay, now there's a lot of people there's a lot of people who believe the hypothetical argument that that's what this is about. Don't fall off the cliff when you can't fall off the cliff. Okay. Now, let me give you one of the reasons. Well, I already gave you one reason why I think it's stupid. It's because God doesn't warn you about something that there's no reason to warn you about it. right? If there's no reason to be concerned, he wouldn't say be concerned. He's the resurrection. The God.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is why block north of highway 44 you can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635 once again you can get any information you need at cceagle.org there you will also find a link to join our facebook page so until next time remember it's all about jesus yeah, the power of his name